This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, welcome to Unstable Topics, a fast-paced, jam-packed, unhinged, bestie podcast filled with facts, reacts, and made-up games in between. We're your hosts, Sarah and Maggie, and we're excited for you to join our best friend hangout, where we surprise one another with things we find interesting or hilarious just to see how the other will react. Our friendship might be totally stable, but you never know what your bestie might throw your way to knock you off your game. So come shake things up, learn something new, and laugh along with us. This is Unstable Topics. Jason here with my friends Jason and Jason. Jason number one got covered in punch and then had it rain down on him in high school. Jason number two is borderline addictive personality who happens to like alcohol quite a bit. And Jason number three only eats chocolate magnet maggots with almond milk and non-slave labor coca beans. This week we go speed dating and meet the most thirsty women on earth as we unravel this mystery. Put your mask on, dunk your head in the toilet because it's horror movie night. Jesus Christ, all of the things I wanted to talk about already in the intro. <laughs> awesome. So this movie opens with literally just the story of my childhood. <laughs> just a kid struggling to get anybody to dance with him. Some say he's still struggling. <laughs> so so the beginning of this movie and the way it relates to my life in a weird way is uh, I, I have this DVD that, that my mom bought me for Christmas years ago. Uh, that's a collection of stand-up comedians, like, early years. And it's got, like, Adam Sandler doing stand-up when he was, like, in the late 80s, early 90s. Like, a pre-SNL Adam Sandler. And he has this one joke where he's like, I want to ask out girls, but, like, people tell me, like, don't be so nervous. You know, what's the worst that can happen? All they can do is say no. And uh, so I asked out this girl, and she said, get away from me, you terrifying loser. <laughs> and that pretty much sums up every response that the main ki- the, that the little boy in this movie gets in this, like, three-minute sequence. It's like, no one's just like, oh, no, I'm not interested. It's like, I would rather die. <laughs> <laughs> and so they do. Yeah. So he finally... Well, except, except Dorothy. Dorothy looks at him and kind of just, like, shrugs, like, eh, yeah. Yeah, Dorothy allows him to dance and make out with him, but as soon as other kids catch him, she immediately f- says that he was, like, trying to rape her. And so he gets... Like, Dorothy, you're twice the size of this kid. You, <laughs> you're fine. Fight him off. What are you doing? But yeah, so he gets the shit kicked out of him, and then uh, we jump to the present. 
And this is where we meet Jeremy. Now, to my horror movie knowledge, this dude is either the killer or the biggest red herring in cinema history. <laughs> you, mean, you mean Jason? Is his name Jason or Jason Jeremy? Is the, Jason likes. Jason likes. Speaks why to the I, third person. Why do I have Jeremy written down? Who the fuck's Jeremy? Because oh, there's so many J names in oh, this movie. You know, you know who Jeremy is? Jeremy, I, I so I think I may have skipped ahead a little bit. I think Jeremy is the dude who just randomly bumps into Catherine Heigl in the scene at the school for like a split second. Yeah, it must have been. <laughs> also, this is like, this first section is like Grey's Anatomy, but it doesn't suck be- like Grey's Anatomy because Catherine Heigl gets killed. <laughs> Also, you want to talk about red herrings? This movie's subtitle is Red Herring, the movie. It's so many red herrings, nonstop red herrings. <laughs> it's no happy birthday to me. <laughs> so that whole date – so I guess I skipped that for a second. But, yeah, that whole date sequence is unbearable because, yeah, there's there's Jason who talks in the third person. Then Did they make it all the way to the main course before he becomes insufferable? But I, 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 I was – Wondering that. I feel like we're led to believe that he literally just starts off terrible. (laughs) Um, They have, but no, they're they're they just finished. I'm pretty sure they just finished the main course. So you know, like they probably had salad beforehand. They'd been there for at least a half hour, and what she sat through him being a douchebag for that long. Come on, she wanted to get free food at least. Oh Oh, yeah, but she didn't. Did not get free food. Nope. Not at all. But it, it cuts to the front of the restaurant when they're, like, about to leave. And he's like, come on, give me And he's, like, moving in on her. I'm like, you sexually assault somebody in a crowded restaurant. What are you doing, man? <laughs> Who do you and think goes, you are, Adam O'Brien? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She goes, uh, you need to seek psychiatric help and soon. And I'm like, oh, Catherine Hagel, if only you could have a peek into your future career. You're the one that needs it. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone else think that Sheldon from Big Bang Theory is playing the corpse in this movie? No. Yeah, it looks like it kind of looks like watch that. Big Bang Theory. I don't either, but I see the fucking ad all over Facebook, and I'm like, that looks like the dude from Big Bang Theory. So if anybody knows if that is his like first role is just playing terrifying corpse in uh in Valentine, <laughs> be sure to let us know. There's a fake out with the corpse, right? Yeah, yeah, the old pretending to be a corpse wearing a Cupid baby mask trick. She's supposed to be dissecting a corpse because she's a med student. She gets distracted by a noise, comes back and goes to dissect the corpse again. And right as she's about to make an incision in the stomach, the corpse like, <gasps> and like breathes in. Yeah. And I'm like, what? what if she had just got really startled there and just stabbed you right in the fucking gut with that knife? <laughs> This movie, this movie would have been over. It would have been done so quickly. Well, this scene, like, I remember watching this scene and thinking, and this was like a, this was definitely a, a trope of like the late '90s, early 2000s slasher movies. Anyway, the amount of strength that one human being needs to plunge a knife so hard into bodies and make that noise every time you pull it back out <laughs> is absurd and then there's this sequence where this dude is just doing it left and right to corpses the weird part about that is that if you were logically trying to stab someone in the chest you'd want to go slats but or like slice between the ribs and so yeah you're right you'd have to have it like he had it perpendicular to the ribs and it would ha- it would have to be parallel to even have a chance and yeah he stabs like eight people like that <laughs> <laughs> 
I like how that's a sticking point for you. Because normally it only happens like once per sequence in a movie, but this time it was like 15 times. I'm like, man, his arm must be so tired. When we get the explanation of who the killer is, I'm like, well, all right, he had vampire strength. That makes sense. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> um, so can can we just talk for a second about how the clothes and hair in this movie is, is, are just top notch? Like it is just, it's taking me back to high school. It's crazy. Carmen Ibanez, Ibanez, sorry, uh, is uh, looking great in this movie. Although she is the thirstiest of all the thirsty women. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny that, that you said that because I was like, later on, and like I wrote down some notes, and later on I was like, Jesus Christ, another speed dating event? Wait, it's an art show? No. Wait, it's still another speed dating event. These girls are just so thirsty. <laughs> they are the thirstiest women on earth. That's all they ever talk about. When they're at home, they're doing VHS dating. They're I feel calling like some fourteen-year-old dude wrote the script and was like, "Yeah, yeah, this is what twenty-five-year-olds are like." <laughs> well, so they do this one thing pretty much immediately after Catherine Heigl's death scene, where my my note says, "And now we meet Paige and Kate." I can't forget their names because they refer to each other by name repeatedly, <laughs> and that's like one of the things that they kind of teach you in uh in if you take any like screenplay writing class. Only have your characters refer to each other by first name when it's absolutely necessary because you don't constantly refer to your friends by their first name over and over and over again. Wait, wait. You're trying to tell me that it's not normal to scream Carol Ann 85,000 times no, in one film? No, it is not. <laughs> I don't know about you, Matt, but me and Scott constantly talk to each other like that. Right, Scott? That's right, Adam. <laughs> well, well, Scott, I've got, I've got a note here, and I have a question for you guys. Um, they're talking about Paige's, it's Paige, right? Paige's ex, ex-boyfriend, well, ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Um, and she goes, oh, well, I haven't completely broke up with Adam. I'm like, yeah, you never truly break up with Adam. And then, <laughs> and then, it, and then it goes, well, he's, he, he's just a borderline addictive personality, and he, so he likes alcohol. And I'm like, you fucking assholes picked this movie specifically <laughs> to just be dicks. <laughs> Well, I do have a note here that says, Valentine's Adam and Horror Movie Night Adam have a lot in common. They're both alcoholics and fairly attractive. Well, they're both alcoholics. <laughs> I am not da- on David Boreana's level of attractive. <laughs> Your hair is not quite that majestic. I got a, I got a note that I think Scott will enjoy, though. I wrote down here that the speed dating sequence is pretty good, but it would really be better if there were sheep. Are there sheep? yes oh my god remove head from sphincter then dry (laughs) that speed dating sequence is such a like 90s teen flick montage moment it's amazing (laughs) yeah you know i okay so full disclosure for the listener but um uh, my pick this i picked this um and and it Matt tells me, hey, Scott, your next pick is going to be, it's going to come out on February 13th. And I'm like, well, it's got to be something Valentine's Day related. And my original idea was to do teeth because I was like, aha, super sweet. People get to watch penises getting chopped off by vagina dentata. Oh, spoiler alert. That's what that movie's about. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, But then upon further observation of teeth, I remember that that movie really sucks, 
and it's just kind of impossible to get through, uh, and, and it wouldn't make for a good episode. So I was like, well, what else could I pick? And so Valentine came to mind, and I haven't watched this movie since 2000 when it came out. I mean, it really has been a good solid decade and a half. Um, it's, it's sat forgotten in the annals of horror history for a good goddamn reason, because this movie is so run-of-the-mill, but it's, it's a fun little walk down memory lane because, you know, I was in high school at the time and it just reminds me of all the, all the shitty trends of, of that, of that time period. Plus it is just so vapid. Everything about this movie is kind of cringy and it's, it's great in that way. Well, I, I mean, I remember renting this in like 2004. I rented it when I was a freshman in college and I hated it. And like watching it this time, I was like, this is actually like it's not a good movie, but this is definitely a movie I could see myself popping on, like on one of those like oh I'm homesick today, like let me just throw on something. Like I would pop on Valentine. It's definitely not offensive. You don't have to pay attention to it. Like it's, it's whoa, it's not offensive. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's log line, like this movie's like fucking thesis is that every woman is hungry for dick and every man's a rapist. Like, that's pretty offensive. Well, you know what I mean, but, like... <laughs> no, we don't. I, it's, yeah, not, it's not... It's not... Like, when I say it's not offensive, I mean, like, it's not so terrible that you're just like, oh, I can't, like... It's not like you're fucking watching Disaster Movie. Like, when I think of a movie that is offensive, I think of Disaster Movie. It is offensive to any sense of what a movie is. That's fair. I, I don't know when when I pulled this up last night to watch it, and I saw the poster for it. I was like, "Oh no, it's that movie!" Oh. I'm so glad that I could instill the, inflict this upon you. So, can we just talk about the fact that uh, there's no TNA in this movie? The most you get is like a shower curtain. It's behind a shower curtain. Like this movie could be rated be rated PG. There's no swearing. There's, like, very little gore. I, I love the fact that this movie got made and got made in such a way that it's, like, an R-rated horror film. Yeah. The director has apologized on multiple occasions for this movie. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, they, they, this was their follow-up to Urban Legends. <laughs> Urban, really? Because, dude, Urban Legend is so good. This movie is kind of like a weird time capsule, also, of how weird pre-internet dating was with, like, the speed dating and like the video dating service. Like I'm pretty sure video dating is officially done, right? Or are there still? Oh yeah, that's a, that's beyond done. Except for like you know fifty year olds and stuff like I, that. But... I love. Let's just take a little. Let's just pause for a second and discuss the fact that Matt is playing dumb about whether or not <laughs> video dating is dead. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm checking. I couldn't find anything here, but I need to know if I should move to Canada. Ow. <laughs> how, do, how do the kids date these days anyways i don't know wow. back in my day you just sent out a vhs tape of yourself talk about why you're so perfect for each other oh, yeah Jesus. nowadays you just you hop on the internet and you type in d and then you type in t and then the letter f and then you just wait for it to roll in you just wait for it if this movie is anything, it's portentous because it shows women being so thirsty that they'll do, they'll, you know, like just talk about it constantly and go do all the speed dating. Because, in my opinion, like my totally un, 
official opinion of youngsters these days, everybody is obsessed with getting laid and having no strings attached to sex, which that's fine. Do whatever the hell you want. But I'm so glad that I'm not part of that scene because my self-esteem wouldn't be able to take it. Well, like, so here's the other thing, though. The, the, so about this movie, one of, the, one of the biggest issues with this movie is, like, none of these characters are likable. Like, no, even, I hate everybody. I'm like, so glad when they die. Like, even remotely, like, Lily is super annoying, and she could not die quicker for me. And Wait, then, which one's Lily? Is Lily, um... The, uh, the blonde-haired one that gets shot by the arrows at the weird art show thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then there's, like, the weird conversation where Dorothy's like, you remember how I was in high school? And they're like, you were bigger. You were big boned. You were plump. <laughs> and she's like, I was, I was fat. And then she confesses that she like lied about this dude raping her. And everyone's just like, oh, well, whatever. Like, just kind of blow it up. And then. Okay, listen, this is the thing that is so ridiculous is that they they all forgot and then <laughs> immediately remember every aspect of the junior high dance when required in this film. It's like. Oh, don't you remember uh, whatever the hell the guy's name is? And they're like, no. Oh, yeah, I do. Let's talk about all the details of that night. But then they never touch on the fact that the the one was chubby. And Jesus Christ, this movie is just like the writing is atrocious. I, it It's fun to watch. And it has that great late 90s sheen, you know, yeah. like where it was super shiny and everything's very crisp. And it's not difficult to watch but when you deconstruct the shit that goes on you just roll your eyes so hard they fall out of your skull well well the the continuation of them being shitty people the biggest one for me is immediately after detective vaughn like sexually harasses Paige, and she like tells kate and kate just thinks it's hysterical there is some serious slut shaming going on in this film especially everybody to that woman is constant like maybe if you weren't fucking asking for it all the time or if you dressed a little more modestly or put a burka on like come on yes yes your character is is super horny all the time and is just like always thirsty but like when when the detective Vaughn yeah detective Vaughn thank you when he Terrible detective, by the way. Yeah. When he propositions her, first of all, like, why would you do that at your office? Like, that's the stupidest plot device ever. I don't know what they were trying to suggest there because I really would have liked it if Kate – that's Kate? Uh, That's Paige. Paige, sorry. Kate is the survivor girl. I would have liked it better if if Paige was actually the survivor girl because she takes no shit. And then, and I don't, I don't care if she's slutty. I mean, like, I feel like that's, that, that doesn't really, isn't a requirement for Survivor Girls anymore, not since the 90s. But I understand this movie's from the year 2000. So, uh, but I feel like she was just such a badass and like, she humiliated the, the douchebag that was like, well, aren't you going to suck my dick? It's out. And like, she's just, she's like, you know, a modern woman. And she is in control of herself, you know, for the person who's the slutty one. I think she's the one we see have sex the least in this movie. Yeah, she she, actively pushes away people more than anything. Yeah, I don't know. It just bugged the crap out of me that all the all the slut shaming that happens in this movie. Like, 
She's the best character. I mean, I know that's not saying much because it's uh, uh, Danielle Richards. Denise Richards. 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 Denise. Andy, it's what? Adam Sandberg. <laughs> oh, no. No. <laughs> oh, it's, it's uh, rubbed off on me. Anyway, yeah, like, she's, like, the best character in this movie. Like, the Survivor Girl is fucking annoying. I, I, I have to stop you right there, Scott. The best character in this movie is the creepy neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> He's fucking awesome. Face. Yeah, you look great, Kate. It's not great, Kate. <laughs> and then, like he he gets killed like in the very next scene that he's in because he's putting on Kate's panties. Like, <laughs> it's, which is the best death in this movie, in my opinion, when he just gets beaten with an iron. But... Well, that said, there aren't that many great death se- sequences in this film. I think that the only other contender is the arrow um, scene, which, I mean, also it would make sense if he's dressed up like a cherub. He should kill everybody with an arrow. I was so disappointed when it showed the arrowhead and it wasn't in the shape of a heart. A heart. <laughs> <laughs> also, he's a crap shot. Like, he shoots her in the stomach and in the shoulder. And, like, I don't think there's enough kinetic force to, to push her over the edge and then straight into a dumpster. One thing real quick, because I just remembered this when I, when I brought up the, the creepy neighbor. Can we all agree that that elevator would have destroyed that mask? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like, like oh, apparently that, yeah, that plastic mask apparently is strong enough that it just keeps bouncing the door back open. Womp, 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 womp. Okay, hey, uh, rapid fire comments that I really need to get out there. Maggots and Caramel, obviously the writer's know nothing about confectionery science because maggots would not live through hot caramel cooling. It's stupid. Uh, really bugged the shit out of me. Um, and uh, my, my assumption was that the killer had somehow managed to insert maggots into chocolate in such a way that you would not notice when just looking at them. Which yeah, a needle very... full of magnets that he was <laughs> injecting into each individual piece of chocolate. Did you just say oh, magnets? Magnets. Yes. Yeah, bitch. Magnets. <laughs> How do they How do work? They work? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh tide goes in. Tide goes out. You can't. People are going to think this is all scripted. Oh, <laughs> no, that's just how Matt lives. He's down with the clown till he's dead in the, the ground. Whoop 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 whoop. Uh, and we're going to headline the the gathering. gathering. Yes, we're coming to Ohio to headline now, it with Scott. <laughs> Uh, I gotta go see all of my brothers and sister ninjas out there. You guys are giving me the biggest douche show right now. I can't (laughs) even handle it. (laughs) So, listen, uh, we have to talk about the art show. So, I already mentioned, like, I thought the art show was another speed dating event at first because I didn't remember it. I was like, Jesus Christ, 2000, you suck. And then, but the Deftones song in the background is a nice touch. White Pony is still a great album. Um, it's probably my favorite Deftones album. Uh, but no, this is still an art show. Uh, <laughs> and then it's the, like the shittiest multimedia, um, art show with like people just saying, love me with their bad teeth. Um, and, and I feel like for as vacuous and, and shallow as everybody in this film is, nobody's gonna be like, yeah, sure. I'll kiss you. You've got these awful British teeth from the seventies. But then like the joke about bleedmedry.com, like the rich girl who is like oh he's gonna take you for a ride or whatever at least believe me dry.com is better than the w- most websites that we discuss on this show 
<laughs> well, you okay? So you pointed out the Deftones, which reminds me of one one thing that uh, isn't just an issue with this movie, but really all late '90s and early 2000s party scenes. But why do they have like the least party music humanly possible? Like, who the fuck is getting down to stupefy by disturbed? <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh my god, how hard were you listening to this soundtrack? I was like, yeah, 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 we're here, yeah. See, here's the weird thing, though, like, I am very open about my love of of late 90s new metal, but, like, I am not the biggest fan of the early 2000s metal, like, I don't really like Disturbed that much, or, like, any of those bands, and I don't know what it is. You do realize they're all the same fucking bands, right? Yeah, I mean, they are, but, like... Corn and Limp Bizkit have a very distinctly different sound than Disturbed. Yeah, okay, that I'll give you that much. So, for some reason, it's acceptable We're to still be... We're splitting hairs about how yeah. shitty this music well, was. Uh, but, uh, but somehow it's acceptable to still be a fan of Disturbed, but if you if you still what like you Corn and Limp Bizkit, you're a douchebag. to be a fan of Disturbed. <laughs> what the fuck are you saying? Ooh-wah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so my that God. Was Al, that was Al Capino. Whoa, holy shit. <laughs> Al Pacino out right now. I I am. I'm talking about Danielle Richards and fucking <laughs> and Adam Sandberg and shit. One second. That 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 Matt just did was Al Pacino's cover of Down with the Sick. Wow. Wow. Oh my god. Um, thank you. Thank so you. Okay, hey, so I realized something about Angel though. He's so sensitive, except when he drinks. Yeah. Blood. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, damn it. Uh, that was my fucking pun for the day. I'm good. So, Scott, maybe you'll remember this because I was talking to Adam before we hit record, and I watched this movie last week. And this note, I remember when we were supposed to record last week, I was all excited to talk about it, and now I don't remember what it means. But it says, <laughs> the, and then in quotes, sex music for Campbell and Dorothy's sex scene is absurdly fantastic. And I don't. What that was? I don't Sorry. either. I feel like it was like a weird rap song, but Wait, like, what, was, what sex scene was that? When when the rich girl has sex with the con oh, man? Yeah. Oh, before oh. Really, oh and the sh- yeah, and she he he like she like tells him, oh, it's okay, it's all right, it happens to everybody. That sex scene. Yes, that sex scene. God, man, I, I don't know about you guys, but I was masturbating furiously during that part. It just, I was, I was going all out did you guys notice that that day when they have sex like you see outside it's the day after the party i guess i think that's the same day it's the day Um, of the party because he dies before the party okay you see outside they're talking outside of somebody's house okay the leaves are turning red because it's valentine's day right (laughs) they sure didn't record or uh they didn't they didn't film this in October in Vancouver is <laughs> definitely February 13th or 14th, you know, in, in the Midwest. You know, it's a really good sign of the quality of a movie is when you're paying attention to the leave colors during sequences. <laughs> I could yeah, not have given is. less of a shit about them talk, what they were talking about at that moment. So, of course, I was going to look at the That's leaves. what I'm saying. I am not judging you as a viewer. I am judging the film as a piece of film. All well, right. I, so I have two notes to, to get us up to where we are right now. So, right. I, I don't even know um, where we're at. So are we at the part we're, where we're, we're pretty much at the party at this point? Oh, okay. We're okay, close yeah. here. <laughs> okay, so um, 
they I, earlier when they were doing like that speed dating thing with like the videotapes and shit like that, I was like, why don't you like uh, it must suck not to have the internet. But then it cuts to Kate and she's looking up stuff on the internet about uh, Jeremy Melton or whatever. And I'm like, oh, yeah. she's got AOL 98. She should be in the chat room. Yeah. up fucking guys and stuff. Right. <laughs> but then somehow she also has a a like a notebook thing, like a police report about the incident at the school dance. And I actually paused on that and I read it and it, it just, it fucking describes Jeremy as, um, attacking classmates, going into a rage and refusing to acknowledge authority. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. That, that's, that's what got him sent to a reform school. Okay. And, and then it's the sex scene between Dorothy and that guy. And he does this weird thing where like, she's in the shower and it, it tries to play it off for like a jump scare where he just like rips the door open and he goes, hands her a towel and he goes, now it's my turn. And I'm like, who the fuck does that to somebody? What? Like, I'm in the I, middle I, of shampooing. Get the fuck out of here, dude. I really thought he was going to be gay because I was like, so he's with her for her money, but he's really gay. And so that's why he couldn't get it up. But then that's why he's acting all like buddy, buddy with her. Like my turn in the shower. But then it's not. I don't, I don't know. It was weird. Also, I had this memory that I guess was a false memory that there was a that there was actually a gay character in this movie. And and I'm I'm confused that there isn't. So I don't know. I thought that there was a val- I thought that there was a slasher movie with a gay character and it was a big deal in, in the like late nineties, early two thousands, but I don't remember you, what it was. Are you sure you're not maybe, thinking maybe. of Bride of Chucky? No. Maybe Scott was just struggling with some stuff the first time that he watched this movie, and that's what he's remembering. He's like, oh, yeah. Angel, why don't you love me? <laughs> I, I watch you every week on TV, and you don't ever acknowledge me. I just want you to love me, but you just can't stop drinking. So every, so, so we were at this party, and... Oh, side note about the party. Did you hear the song that's playing? It's Love Dump by Static X. <laughs> like, super romantic. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying. Like, and everyone's fucking grooving to this. Like, this is not like if I was if I was DJing a party and I put on Static X Love Dump, I would get (laughs) so many angry looks and be like, "Why the fuck are you playing this garbage when we're here to get drunk and dance?" Like, yeah, everybody in the crowd would be like, "Boo! Put on push it! Put on cold (laughs) by Static X!" Boo! So, so immediately this movie goes from like a kill scene every 20 minutes to like a kill scene every three minutes as they realize that there's 20 minutes left in the movie and they still have three of their main characters alive. So they just start killing people left and right uh, until eventually it comes down to Dorothy, Kate and Adam. Uh, And it also has this trope where like the second that the power goes out at any party or everybody's gone. They're just like, Oh, fuck this place. I don't want to wait the three minutes for someone to flick the breaker that turns this party back on. Someone turn the party back. (laughs) You got to hit that party switch, yo. I like Danielle Richards' uh, death scene. That was pretty good. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Uh, It was was all right. It was no beating a man with an iron grate, but it was pretty great. Kate becomes convinced. Oh, actually, there's... Quick side note, Vaughn's decapitated. That just happens. Um, And then... Kate finds Vaughn's head in the lake and uh, concludes that Adam is actually Jeremy. Um, so 
Kate became, becomes convinced that Adam is Jeremy, and suddenly she's attacked by someone with a Cupid mask and is saved when Adam shoots the killer. Uh, removing the mask reveals the killer to be Dorothy. Adam explains to Kate that sometimes traumatic events will cause people to do horrible things, and then his nose starts bleeding, which reveals that Adam is most likely the killer and also Jeremy, because Jeremy would get like weird nosebleeds, and the killer would occasionally have a nosebleed whenever he killed somebody. You're glossing over a whole lot of shit that happened in the party, so... Um, Go for it. Go crazy. <laughs> so, so uh, this movie is basically Terror Train, and I never yes, realized I it. I had that note, and I deleted it because I felt like we had come too far. But yes, this is 100% Terror Train, except none of the characters feel bad for what they did. And in Terror Train, at least Jamie Lee Curtis is like, yeah, we did some fucked up shit to that kid. You know what else is awesome about Terror Train? David Copperfield. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, Matt, here's, here's my dating advice for this week. Don't let strange women tie you up. It's never going to end well for you. Nope. Just going to get uh, wax on my willy. <laughs> also, don't refer to it as oh, waxing it. This fuck says, well, you can go and wax it. Like, uh, there's still all these candles over the room. That was the most telegraphed fucking thing ever. Obviously, that was going to happen. Yes, agreed. Um, so, uh, we, we have a throwback to both the Death Spa and Slumber Party Massacre in Denise Richards' death scene because she's in a, you know, a hot tub and she also gets drilled to death. So, that's pretty sweet. Oh, and then um, the, there there are two I, two notes I had to talk to talk about because they are so absurd and and so meta in a movie that's not meta. So there's one part where I think Paige said, or no, not Paige. I don't know who's even left when they say it, but it, oh, it's when it's when David Boreanaz arrives at or is, is shown at the party and he's wasted or he acts wasted. And that's confusing, too, because I don't know what the point of him acting drunk would be. And then, like, he's a magically sober, like, five minutes later when all the action starts happening. It's weird. Kate walks away from him, and whatever girl's still alive, uh, I'm assuming it's Dorothy, is like, oh, he's no angel. And I'm like, come on! (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, god damn. That's like, I feel like David Boreanaz, like, pulled the the director's side and was like, hey, this would be pretty funny if you put it in. Real referential. Um, I, I don't want to believe it's the complete reverse. I want to believe that he was like, dude, do we, do we, do we got to, do we got to do the angel line? <laughs> like, yeah. Actually, I think that's funnier that way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he's super embarrassed. I feel like David Boreanaz is a pretty stand-up guy, and just as long as he's not drinking, yeah, don't give him that blood, or else he becomes Angelus and just wants to end the world. <laughs> and then there's also a line where I think Kate says, "Screw you all." No, I'm sorry. Dorothy says it. She says, screw you all, and she runs away, uh, which is topical because, you know, Denise Richards just got screwed to death. But it would have been a better line uh, that I'm surprised that they didn't use in one of the Slumber Party Massacre movies. Yeah. Well, that maybe it's in line. three. I don't remember three at all. It could be even there. I just watched three within the last calendar year, and I sure don't remember anything from it either. <laughs> God, what a forgettable movie. It's saying something for a Slumber Party Massacre being the most... <laughs> being one of the most forgettable ones. So so there's a note which is on the Valentine Wikipedia that points out how the movie well, – it's listed under a tab called Irony. And it says, when Jeremy asks each girl to the dance, they each state a mean comment right after he asks them and it all foreshadows their fates. And man, these are some fucking stretches. So it's like <laughs> Shelly says, in your dreams, loser, and she dies laying in a sleeping position. Uh, Lily says, ew, and receives maggots in a chocolate box. Paige says, I'd rather be boiled alive and gets thrown in a hot tub and then electrocuted. Dorothy says, 
he attacked me, which makes everyone believe she was attacked by Jeremy. So Jeremy makes everyone believe that she did the killings. And then Kate says, maybe later, Jeremy. And Jeremy and Kate still get to stay together. Those are all wonderful. And I would love to believe that that the writer was was like clever enough but those are real real tenuous yeah they're real fucking stretches yeah you know what bummed me out is the one girl um i guess lily she got that that uh, they all get creepy valentines from the guy right and hers said like roses are red violets are blue they're gonna need dental records to identify you why didn't she get burned alive yes that was dorothy yeah no that wasn't dorothy was it yeah she got it right when she was like moving in the douche into the house. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, cool. She's going to get like a really gory, horrific death. Because I, I honestly did think this movie was just PG-13. Like after Catherine Heigl's death, where it's like just slit the throat, but don't even show like anything at all. Is, I was like, uh, oh, yeah. this is going to be Pete. But then they were at that art show and there was tits flashing on the screen at that art show. And I was like, okay, well, wait, what the, what is this? What's the point? Well, yeah, I, is, must have, I must have missed that part. I must have looked away. This is the reverse of what's happening now, though, because, like, this was at a point where you could only get a slasher movie made if it was R. So I feel like this may have gotten a PG-13, and they were like, no, we'll we'll shove someone's throat through some goddamn glass if it gets us an R rating. Like, what do you need us to do to get this R rating? Because it is super tame. Like, it, like the, the deaths, in theory, are brutal. In like practice, they're not like it's kind of like watching the um, the R-rated version of the original My Bloody Valentine, where it's like, well, if they actually showed what happened, this would be a really pretty fucking violent and brutal movie. You know, when you actually see the unrated version, you're like, holy shit! the The biggest thing that bothers me about this movie, and it's such a small thing to bother me about this movie, is that the kid who got beat up. Like, in the beginning of the movie, he's getting beat up, and then there's just some random fucking kid wearing a Cupid mask. Yeah, well, that, that Cupid <laughs> mask really does not fit. There there are so many things about this film that felt like they wanted to connect them, but then they forgot to. Yeah, where did he for, get that for, mask? For a long time, I thought that that kid in the Cupid mask, because they, they zoom in on him and pay so much attention to him at the end of that dance scene. I thought that was going to turn out to be like Jeremy's little brother or something. And he was coming back to like seek revenge on them all and using that Cupid mask because his brother got sent away. And I don't know, I, I was going to think that maybe he like killed himself or something. Um, and here I go writing a better movie than this yeah, fucking movie. Seriously. Or, Can we get John Hamm up in this piece? Yep. Uh, John Hamm could absolutely play Adam <laughs> in our remake. <laughs> He's, he's too old unless all the women are thirsty because they're like cougars. Yeah, we could do that. Valentine's Day 2, Night of the Cougars. That's all I have to say about Valentine. I don't hate it. Uh, I actually watched it again this week. Because and, you're glutton for punishment? Well, no, also because literally I, I like to have something on on the TV when we record. And I was like, I'll just fucking throw Valentine on in the background. So that's on right now, actually. <laughs> Danielle Richards is about to get it in the hot tub. Hey, welcome to Unstable Topics, a fast-paced, jam-packed, unhinged, bestie podcast filled with facts, reacts, and made-up games in between. We're your hosts, Sarah and Maggie. 
and we're excited for you to join our best friend hangout, where we surprise one another with things we find interesting or hilarious just to see how the other will react. Our friendship might be totally stable, but you never know what your bestie might throw your way to knock you off your game. So come shake things up, learn something new, and laugh along with us. This is Unstable Topics. So what did you guys watch this week? Uh, I'll go. I have two things. Uh, and they, one was great and one sucked. I'll go with the great one because it's not a horror movie. But Megan and I, Megan found this movie called Austin Land from 2013. And it's got Carrie Russell in it. Felicity, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it was super cute. The premise is that this woman is obsessed with Jane Austen books. and um, But for some reason, it's really bad luck with guys. And so she goes... She spends a crap ton of money, basically her like her life savings, you know, her 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 saved money, like you you know what I probably like ten grand or something like that, goes to England to this resort called Austinland, where you have to dress in period piece clothing. You you know, like you basically you get to live out a Jane Austen book, um, and. The, the Stifler's mom is also in this film, and she's kind of like the comic relief. She's a little over the top at some points, but she's pretty fun. Um, but it was it was a cute movie, and uh, we both really enjoyed it. And then I read the reviews, and people fucking hated it. It's like, man, these reviews are brutal. I, th- I mean, for a romantic comedy, it was fun. Like, I don't, I don't understand where critics get off thinking like, oh, it's a romantic comedy. Better, better judge it as an Oscar nominee. I don't know. It's just weird. Um, when you but, first started saying the premise, I was hoping that you'd be like, and then the robots in Austin land come to life and become murderous. <laughs> like it's I just told you West it's world. Hey, it could still be West world. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but it, it's, it's related to horror movie night because it does the thing like in the Marie Antoinette movie from like, what, 2006 or whatnot, yeah. um, where it has, modern songs kind of juxtaposed into these provincial scenes and it has Betty Davis eyes that song which was the big like the main song from Final Girls and I was like where do I know this song I turned to Megan I'm like Megan I just we just watched something with this in it she's like I I don't think I've ever heard this movie or this song before or I don't know what you're talking about and it took me forever to remember that it was one of the key points in final girls so anyway it it was fun you bring up betty davis eyes fun fact so i actually just listened to the final girls commentary track and the original song that they wanted instead of betty davis eyes was like a prayer by madonna and which actually makes a whole lot more sense yeah and they they sent the song they sent the script to madonna like they they managed to get a contact with her and was like Hey, you know, like we're because the two guys who wrote Final Girls are both gay, I, which I did not know. But they They're they were gay? like, yeah, gay. They're okay. like, we we're huge fans of Madonna. We we love this song, and like they wrote like this long letter to her and blah blah blah. And she basically wrote back like, I like the script. I'm really touched. Here's the thing: you can have any one of my songs you want for whatever price you can afford, except like a prayer. <laughs> They were hey, like, why is that? Was there? She never gave a reason. He's like, she's like, never really gave a reason for that stipulation. So we were like, well, that's the only Madonna Very song odd. that really works for this, though. So, 
I guess Wait, we'll just is have Betty to... Davis Eyes a Madonna song? No, they just, just found so. a different song instead. But like when I think about it, I'm like, man, Like a Prayer makes way more sense in both of the scenes that it's used in. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely makes way more sense, which is odd that they wouldn't. But they That's also just... they also said that they wish that Final Girls was R. Like that was like the one st- like they wrote an R rated movie and the one stipulation was to get it made it had to be PG thirteen. Yeah. So they're like listen. Yeah, they're like, so we did it and it's all right for a PG thirteen movie, but they're like, if we get a sequel, we're we're gonna really fight for the sequel to be R. I'm like, uh, all right, well that's good. How about- a, well, I feel like they have to get a sequel for how well received Final Girls was. Well, and they said they already have an idea for the sequel, but Yeah, it's it's the the continuation of that last scene. Yeah. Well apparently they also said the ending of the movie originally was just like yeah, no, all of her friends are dead. And everyone's like, yeah, that's depressing as shit. You need to bring those friends back. <laughs> um, so, Adam, what did you watch? Wait, 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 wait. I have oh, one other so- thing that I watched. And I don't really have much to say about it, but I watched Indigenous from 2015. It's on Netflix. Oh, God. It was about a chupacabra. Ooh. No, it's, it is unfucking watchable It was chupacabra? <laughs> <laughs> you fuck up people's names, but then you can say that word one try. I don't understand you. Matt, I'm going to need you to chup a stop, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so stay away from in, in shitchiness uh, upon all costs. Shit, whatever. Fuck it. Bad movie. I watched season two of Fargo, which was like some fucking golden age of television amazing shit. Oh, I no, dude, not... I thought that the Golden Age of Television already happened. With Breaking Bad? Oh, it's it's up there, man. It's yeah. up there with Breaking Bad, and, like, it was really, really, really good. I watched it all in, like, three days because I could not stop watching it. Every day after work, I'd get home and stay up till, like, 2 a.m. watching that shit. It was fucking great. I'm told that season um, two's better than season one by a lot of people, too. Oh, it's way better. Yeah, I've seen both, and I, I much preferred season two. And uh, what else did I watch? Uh, oh, um, Venture <laughs> Brothers is back. Oh, I did hear um, about that. Yeah, so I watched the newest episode of Venture Brothers. Off to a really great start. Shit's amazing. Can't wait to uh, watch this season and then wait another six years for another one. <laughs> so real quick, uh, I won't talk about this too much because it's the type of television that only I like and neither one of these guys like. But I have been uh, rocking my way through the El Rey Network series Lucha Underground. Just finished the first season, getting started on the second season now, which premiered like two two weeks ago. So Lucha Underground is a very weird thing. It is a res- it's a luchador wrestling show produced and written by Robert Rodriguez that is also a telenovela at the exact same time. What I like about it is that wrestling by nature is absurd. So it goes extra absurd, and it's like, all right, well, this guy is Aerostar, and he is created from the constellations of the stars, and he's fighting Drago, who is a living dragon. You can definitely feel the Robert Rodriguez touch with all of the, uh, with the way it's shot and, and the way that the storyline actually goes, because it do- it's treated like a TV show in the sense that it doesn't happen every week. It's a series of 20 episodes that are an hour long, and then they go away for six months. So... You talked about being touched by Robert Rodriguez. Do you need, you need, <laughs> I need to talk a doll. more about that? With- yeah, can you <laughs> provide me a doll? So there was two other things that I watched that are that are way more crucial to this podcast. Uh, thing number one 
is that Weird Ass Movie Night, we want Killer Workout. Yes! <laughs> Fantastic. Lots of workout sequences. Man, and Killer Workout is so good. So, I, so uh, Did you watch the copy that was Killer Workout, or did you watch the copy that was um, Aerobicide? Well, the DVD, or the, sorry, Blu-ray, because we watched the Blu-ray. The Blu-ray case said Killer Workout, but when you put it in, the credits say Aerobicide. So I don't know. Um... <laughs> The the one thing, and I guess this is one of the few times where watching a movie with a group of people was not beneficial because I was so lost that it wasn't until I listened to the We Hate Movies podcast review of Killer Workout that I realized the connection of who the killer is with uh, something that happens earlier in the film. Um, it's just a fucking weird movie. That whole movie is crazy. But you should watch it, and you should absolutely listen to the We Hate Movies episode. I don't think we can ever discuss Killer Workout because those guys did it so beautifully on their podcast that I feel like we would just be doing a lesser version of, of their skewing of that movie. Um, the other thing I watched that I got in the mail from Netflix was Goosebumps, which was so much more fun than I thought it would be. But I agree with with Adam that there... Adam and I had a brief discussion on Facebook about it. There are heavy implications of ghost sex in that movie. <laughs> oh my god, one more question. Well, no, we had quite a few. I've, I've posted that on Facebook, and a bunch of people had been like asking, like, what did I like about it, and this, that, and the other thing. Some people are concerned that they don't like Jack Black, so they're not going to like the movie. Uh, Jack Black does awesome in the movie, but really, it is just a nostalgia piece. If you grew up reading those Goosebump books, you are going to have a good time watching the movie. Because it literally has references to pretty much every single Goosebump book. Just, That's not possible. It's it Well, because the concept is that Arl Stein's typewriter... His, his, yeah, his typewriter is magical, and when he write, writes one of these manuscripts, he has to then finish the book and put a lock on it, because were you to ever open it, it would actually manifest the beast from inside the story. Which, is, um, and which it, in itself is an homage to one of his books called The Blob That Ate Everyone. And so at the end of the movie, something happens to the bookshelf and literally every book gets opened. So there's it, like there's this crazy, it's like the end of Cabin in the Woods or the end of Waxwork, where it's just like, okay, now let's throw every single monster at the fucking board and just watch them wreak havoc. Yeah. So it does have like, almost every single thing that I could remember from a Goosebumps book. Yeah, because I thought that it would only be, like... I was like, okay, well, it's probably just going to mostly be, like, Monster Blood and the fucking Night Living Dummy. But there's, like, references to some obscure ones, like the Werewolf from Fever Swamp and Shocker on Shock Street and, like... Or all these books that, that were definitely, like, in the later years of Goosebumps and not super popular, but they're in there. Uh, the only thing that I can think of that wasn't in there, and I'm kind of disappointed because I love them so much, is the Mud Monsters from the You Can't Scare Me cover. But they may have been in there because there is that giant shot where there's literally like a hundred creatures just standing outside of a school. It, it's definitely it, it's a fun time. And then R.L. Stein has a has a nice little cameo towards the end of the movie as well. But the important thing to remember is that there's heavily implied ghost, ghost sex in this movie, and we can't explain why because it would be a spoiler. But there is super heavily implied ghost sex. And one last thing to tie it back to the Lucha Underground thing that I had said. Uh, that's on the El Rey Network, which is pretty fucking hard to, to get, which sucks. I wish that I had the El Rey Network. It's just a channel owned by Robert Rodriguez. 
But I did see, while watching the newest episode of Lucha Underground, that the day that this is coming out, they're having a Valentine's Day special where they're just playing all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies repeatedly for two days. (laughs) So if I had El Rey, that would literally be what I'd be doing as you guys are listening to this episode. (laughs) That was 2001's Valentine. Happy Valentine's Day to you guys. Thank you for sticking around and listening to us for 31 episodes, which is surreal to to accept that we've made 31 episodes of this shit so far keep sending us those emails we've been getting a ton of emails they've been super super uh touching and funny and filled with terrible movie suggestions so (laughs) so but keep them coming at hmnpodcast at gmail.com we love hearing from you guys uh you know we got this dude chris he's like a super fan out there and and i think he says he's from kansas you know, thank you for writing in. He's got a lot of kind words. Uh, it's it's really cool to hear that there are people that we may never meet in real life that that are just really digging the show. So thank you for keeping us up to date on all that stuff. You you are our Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> So glad I'm married. God, yeah, uh, Megan. What were Megan and I watching? Oh, fuck. Uh, we were watching something, and it, it it had like some sort of internet dating on it. And I just turned to her and I was like, "I'm so glad that we're together, and that I don't have to use the internet to try and get dates." Because, like. Were you watching okay, a movie if, if, or were you just looking at my Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was definitely a movie um, because I was interested. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, welcome to Unstable Topics, a fast-paced, jam-packed, unhinged, bestie podcast filled with facts, reacts, and made-up games in between. We're your hosts, Sarah and Maggie, and we're excited for you to join our best friend hangout, where we surprise one another with things we find interesting or hilarious just to see how the other will react. Our friendship might be totally stable, but you never know what your bestie might throw your way to knock you off your game. So come shake things up, learn something new, and laugh along with us. This is Unstable Topics. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 